good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to a football show. Week five in college football. Week four in the NFL. And I think my situation in my in my office here, Zach, and the weather outside, it knows exactly the tone of the show today. It knows that it's going to be dark. Uh, of course, you began F Words Pod this week with a long soliloquy uh, about despair and humanity and our existence yep. and the fact that we're all going to die. It's life about football. Just about football. And and that nobody cares about <laughs> the world keeps going on, whether the Titans win or the Titans lose. Welcome to a football show. Zach Lyons, I am Braden Gall. Get to us on the Twitter machine. You can also, uh, I, I brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. We'll have plenty of times for you guys to get into the comments. And we have a couple of questions today that I think you guys are going to want to chime in on. So I want to hear from you on a couple of topics. We're going to start the show with about two major players for the Tennessee Titans. Then we're going to dive into, of course, the matchup with Joe Burrow. I've got a new nickname I'm going to float past you, uh, Zach. It's not my, this is not my Bailey Wick. You are the nickname guy. So I want your approval on, on a new nickname. We can workshop it on the air. And okay. then, of course, we'll take a look at the SEC weekend as well. Sinker's Beverages, by the way, the, um, uh, the sister store, Bluegrass, up in Hendersonville, uh, starting at about 11 o'clock, give or take. Uh, tequila and, and, and uh, Bourbon Fest up at Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville. Um, I'm swinging up there as soon as the kids' soccer game is over. I'm handing them off to the folks, and I'm running up to Hendersonville. Can't wait to try some of that tequila, some of that bourbon. They've got tons of stuff, tons of – got food trucks coming out, all the stuff that was there when you guys were up there at the beginning of the season. We're going to watch some college football. We're going to drink some bourbon, some tequila, and uh, talk Titans. So come on out. Say hello. Bluegrass Beverages on Saturday. We do appreciate you guys, and we appreciate Sinker's Beverages support. Uh, Uber Eats, search Sinker's Beverages, and they will deliver the booze right to your house. They'll drive so you can drink. Kingston Group, buildkg.com. You know the website. Just call them, have a conversation. Um, interest rates are high. I get it. Uh, but if you're going to do some major work on the house and now's the time to do it, you're going to sell a house, you're going to buy a house, make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. If you're looking to do some renovation work, they are nose to tail, award winning custom home and remodeling firm here in Nashville, locally owned and operated. Both companies, of course, that sponsor us. Uh, and of course, we do appreciate it. Stackintheinbox.com. Lots of great stuff there. So make sure you check that out. And again, just if you if you listen to nothing else this week, just go listen to the first three minutes of football and other efforts. If you listen to nothing else, uh, I, I did three minutes that way. All the algorithms catch it, you know, because you got a certain time limit and for for listens right. and everything. That way, if people at least listen to that. Counts as a full download. <laughs> Should the Tennessee Titans be interested or explore trading Ryan Tannehill? Now, before Absolutely. I should have been doing that. For I, 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 stop it. Stop it. Before, <laughs> before you answer and ruin the whole conversation, please, if you are listening on the podcast or watching on Twitter or Facebook, please head over to the 440 Sports YouTube page. Give us a, a subscribe. We would really appreciate it. We're close to a number that's very important. <laughs> so please, please go over there and subscribe. 440 Sports on the YouTube page. Tell somebody about it. Lots of football talk there. You got uh, football and other F-words. You can watch it there. You can watch this show. You can watch SEC Football Live on Tuesdays. You got all kinds of game previews up there with myself and one of my coworkers from Athlon Sports, Stephen Lassen. Um, all kinds of stuff over there. So 440 Sports, if you care about the SEC and the Titans, I, I, I promise it's your spot. Hot Read Podcast up there as well. So check it all out. That's a lot of stuff I'm asking people to do because now we're going to talk about trading Ryan Tannehill. So first, first, I... I if you are a general manager of any team in any sport, your job is to always have the uh, break glass in case of emergency plan in place. 
whether that's to fire a coach, whether that's to trade a quarterback. Every person in your organization, hockey, football, baseball, basketball, doesn't matter, soccer, you have to be prepared to know exactly what their market value is and understand what you can get in return if you needed to either part ways, trade, whatever, acquire anybody. That's your job. Your job is to know exactly what you have and what you can get in return. So if Rand Carthon has no clue what he can get for, for Ryan Tannehill in a trade right now, he hasn't been doing his job since he took over a couple of months, uh, eight months ago. So I want to know, is it the right decision to push a little harder, to make some phone calls, and to actually move the player? Or, and if it's not, when is the right time to actually make the trade if you can get proper value in return? I would be highly shocked if the Tennessee Titans didn't call uh, Woody Johnson or uh, and company and uh, Joe Douglas like five minutes after Aaron Rodgers was like taken out into an X-ray. <laughs> like you know, they probably texted like, "Hey, Joe, don't don't forget, I got old Ryan Tannehill here, and he's buddies with old Todd Downing, knows Keith Carter, knows the system. Come on, come on, <laughs> like he's." They were already shopping him already. Yeah, yeah, spare me the idea that they weren't shopping him. And I'm not saying that you're saying this. Just this, in the right. general idea out there, Bayer, Tannehill, Henry all got shopped. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that all those guys got shopped. They got at least, uh, I guess you could say, they put out a little feelers out there. Whatever you want to say, they were involved in some form of fashion in trade discussions. I bet. Jeffrey Simmons was as well at some point. They may not. I mean, obviously, if you can get like two firsts for Jeffrey Simmons, aren't you taking it instead of paying him a bunch of money? Probably, right? I mean, like, but not listening to the, but not having the conversation is malpractice. Yes, so. yes. There, there's all kinds of conversations that right. happened or surrounding all these players, but specifically Ryan Tannehill still is showing signs of life. I mean, at this point in time. He is number four and number five in EPA among all quarterbacks in, from a clean pocket. The problem is he doesn't have a clean pocket. The problem is if you go to the New York Jets, you're not going to have a clean pocket. So I don't I don't yeah. know. Yeah. The only scenario or team that still makes sense on the periphery, obviously the Jets make sense because they're bringing in Trevor Simeon, and that's not really going to save anybody's job. I'm assuming that probably they have contacted the Titans and the Titans are at a point right now where they're still thinking and deluding themselves into being that this team is something that it's not. So maybe they're asking a lot for Ryan Tannehill. What, what would that and be? They're probably, I mean, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. They're probably asking like a second or a third. Like, and, and that's probably too much to ask for that sounds right. that sounds right. a guy coming off these performances, right? A guy that is 35, but he is on the last year of his contract. He is a guy that could be familiar with a couple different schemes. The the Falcons are two and one. Okay. Mm, mm, and haven't looked bad. They Although haven't last, looked last, bad, but it's because of the run game, right? So they have a good run game. They have a, a pretty good offensive line. They have a pretty good defense. They're in an easy division. Arthur Smith, Ryan Tannehill, we know that whole backstory. Let's say they go on a on a three game skid, heading you know, for getting nearer and closer to the bye, and they're like still in contention for the division because the NFC South is kind of like the AFC South, and the NFC is also a worse division. There is a team right there that could possibly trade for him. 
and I know there's fans out there that are really pissed off, mad at Ryan Tannehill, burning his uh, shirts, pictures, putting cigarette butts out in his eyes on on them and stuff like that. What, whatever have you. People are crazy. There is, there is something. <laughs> there is something to be said for teams that have really good teams around them, except for the quarterback, who are trying to make their season something out of nothing if the Titans season derails the next few weeks. So it's funny. For, number one, part of the reason I enjoy doing this show with you, uh, your creativity, your passion for the Tennessee Titans, and also like, I'm always right here with this team. <laughs> and you go from up here to down here and back and forth all over the place. And I love I'm, I love, I'm the, I love I'm the it. same. I'm, I I'm the it. same. I, I don't understand why people think I'm up and down. This team well, is playing meaningless football. Been saying that the whole damn offseason. No, no. What I mean is, is that you are required to uh, all of us in in fa fans and media are required when we when we get new information and new data, meaning games reps. Yeah. you are required to adjust your opinion. That is the job. I am as, and this is just me. Twenty years doing this. I, I, it takes a lot for me to make drastic swings in my opinion. I, I. I wait. For yeah, I don't think I'm taking a drastic swing, though. I think that's where we're differing in our communication is that okay. I have always thought this team is not a good team in 2023. OK, now what I've always said is that the schedule is so much easier that they can win games and be better than what people think. But they're not actually a good team that's going to play meaningless, meaningful football after the regular season. But, but they are not playing this, the quality of football that you expected. Like they are worse. No, I would expected. say uh, yes, they are worse than I expected. Okay. They are worse than your you expected. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, like they're worse sure. than everybody expected. I think I think there's not one person that really thought the team would perform the way they have in the three weeks, the way that they have. But, yes, like but, I mean, people thought like, like okay, two to four, three and three, that's fine. But I mean, this is they could still be that, but they are playing sure. way worse football. No, no, there's no, there's no question. I, I, I think. You and I going in, if we're talking just, again, I, this was not the point of the conversation. I just enjoy listening to, to your content this week be <laughs> just, just down into the, the depths well, of that, despair. That's, and... that's, that's just, I even said that's just being facetious. No, I know. So, Mike, you're taking little things out of context yeah, without, yeah. you know, stuff. it's a job. Yeah, yeah. It's a job. Yeah. Uh, oh, part man, of the reason I, I want you're a journalist, journalism, <laughs> got to keep it in context. Lowercase J, lowercase. Uh, here's the here's the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I don't believe this is yet the time to have this conversation because I don't believe that that, that through three weeks that some of these things are going to be permanent. Some of them may be permanent. My, my opinion is that we just don't know. We need to see they could make an adjustment at left tackle. They've got a player coming back in three games that could play left tackle that teams change and evolve over the course of a season. And what you see in weeks one, two, and three, or even weeks six, seven, and eight sometimes is not what you get at the end of the year. Teams evolve and they change and the Titans could get much better. I'm not predicting that. But I've always been of the opinion they should trade Ryan Daniels. So when you, when you ask sure, me, sure. should they go ahead and be doing it? Yeah, because they, they should have never stopped and they should have already completed a trade. Same with Derrick Henry, because my, their stance has always been glow up. My stance has been get right. rid of these guys. Right. So my point is like sort of just short term. Now looking at the team now, I am, I think absolutely you should be having the conversations about every player. And that that's how I started this, this topic is that every GM 
for every sports team in every league has to have as be willing to have a conversation about every asset on his roster. Full stop. So you have to know exactly what you can get for Kevin Byard all the way down to Chickaconquo. Like that's your job as a GM. My thing is, is that I'm not ready to punt or quit or give up or whatever phrase you want to use on this particular team yet, unless the offer is great and the offer is beyond what we expect. And I think you're right on. If they offered me a second round pick right now for Ryan Tannehill, I think you would be dumb not to take the pick Mm -hmm. and then just say to your fans, look, we're moving on. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the season is you're punting on the season. I mean, you're not you're not able to get a lot out of Ryan Tannehill at the start of the season anyway. If you maybe put in a Will Levis, at least you're getting it's it's you it may look like you're punting on the season, but you're you're really preparing yourselves better for future seasons. Yes. Like this the season is more to me, the season is more meaningful if you find out what you have in Will Levis. I Not agree. if you make it to the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I, 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 as we said in the summer, the perfect scenario is like Ryan Tannehill wins you a bunch of games and then Will Levis takes over and then gets some experience and then you still play in the playoff game, but yeah. will, but with Will Levis. So I agree with you. I don't think that would be the average fans conversation. No, if no. They well, were the average to, fans not going to have they were to announce If they were to announce tomorrow trading Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry, I think the quote-unquote message boards... I'm going to use that term as like the catch all like radio shows, callers, Twitter, social media, whatever is going to be like, well, I guess that's it for this year. And while I would you say and I the radio shows, yes. Podcasts, most likely. Yes. I think fans would, 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 would think that, but I think they would be happy with that because it does not involve Ryan Tannehill being on this team. Like, I think I, that's how much people hate Ryan Tannehill. Oh, okay. Now, whether okay. that is the that. right now, whether that is the right way to look at it or not, but I think the chatter would be maybe someone could provide us a spark and, you know, the, we as fans, this is a good thing regardless of wins or losses. Stoney says we got to get, I agree with you, This we got to get this fucking Browns game behind us. It's ruined us all. I, I don't, that's why I'm saying I'm not ready for this to be, uh, part of the reason I wanted to put it out there is to have like the, the trade deadline is not till October 31st. There are at least four football games between now and then or three with the bye. There could be another team that loses a quarterback. Another team could, could be desperate. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is banged up right now in Vegas. Like we just don't know what the landscape will look like. And the Titans could go on a stretch here where he plays well, like he did against the chargers and the schedule is going to lighten up. My, I'm saying like, you have to be ready to pull the trigger. But I don't think we're ready to pull the trigger. And that's where I personally fall on it, which is I want to see what this team looks like for a couple of more weeks, for a couple of more games. And if and if the Jets see what they have and they don't like what they have or some other team see, has an injury and all of a sudden you can get a third, let's say, maybe a fourth for Ryan Tannehill, then you start having that conversation. But the headlines nationally and locally will be very much like Titans move on, new generation, new era, like you know what, what's going to happen. Right. and. And I don't think that's because of the Browns game. To me, I'm still willing to let let the, let the season play out. I, I've seen too many good teams start poorly or too many bad teams start fast, and it changes. It changes in October, which brings me to a nickname I want to float to you. It's, we're not okay. done with the trade. We're not done with the trade conversation yet, but I want to I want to float a nickname to you. You got what, what's uh, what do we call what do we call uh, December? December. Okay, you got the January one now, right? Yeah, it's hen- January or January. January. We you know we All had right. a couple of different ways to number one it. coach in the NFL in October, Mike Vrabel. Okay. 
Best record in October, ten and two the last three years. We need him. Do we need Mike Tober? Is that what we need? I like we it, Mike Tober. I think Mike Tober is perfect. Not Vrabe, Vrabe Tober. <laughs> no, no, Vrabe Tober is not gonna work uh, with Mike a Tober. Tennessee fan base. Mike Tober, perfect. He's, I like it, he, Mike Tober. He's, he's ten and two, best record in the NFL, and their game on Sunday will happen in October. So in Mike Tober. In Mike Tober. I just want to point that out. Here's the follow up to Tannehill, and and I does all that make sense in terms of. Yeah, no, I I mean I agree, but like, and I feel like they're not ready to have that conversation because they're not getting the offers they want in return. I I feel like you do, and how I said earlier, if they got offered a second. I think Tannehill's out that freaking door. I yep. think he would have been out that door in in over yep. the summer. I also think that, and this this is kind of I think what we're about to dive into with October and everything, but. When you go one and five, if you go one and five, you're not making the playoffs. Zero percent chance you're making the playoffs. And that goes into the bye week. And that we've we've talked about the bye week being an important moment for this team record-wise and everything. And if Ryan Tannehill still isn't the reason why, because we we can only definitively say that Ryan Tannehill has lost his team one game out of the three games they played. Okay. So he 50% of the losses. Yeah. 50% of the losses, but you know, but if he continues to be what he was at the Browns and is still a quarterback that is trying to get things done and fight through all this stuff and is showing signs on film that he still has what it takes. It's just his offensive line. That's good for the Tennessee Titans heading in for a one in five seasons. Cause that means that teams will be interested in him. Now he is more of the saints. Heading into one and five, you yeah. may have just yeah. you're sunk. Like if it, that's kind of where reason, I'm at. If he's the like, reason you're it, one and five, you're. In I know you think that it's early to have this conversation, but if I'm the GM and I am looking at the, a couple of the defenses coming up, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to wait to the bye week and pull the trigger. If maybe the Bengals' loss is just as bad, but Ryan Tannehill looks just as good. Like okay. I don't know. Like. So, you you're, I, you got a big risk there. I have I have a follow up here, and I did not tell you we were going to talk about this, but I have a follow up. Okay. But it's very similar topic because Trade I Henry. am <laughs> bingo. Because I, I am. In, was, I, was that what it was? I was well, yeah, yes, yes, because you and I were talking before the show about my fantasy team, which nobody cares about. But I'm in desperate need of a running back, and I'm looking to buy low. So I'm looking at Josh Jacobs. I'm looking at Derrick Henry. I'm looking at guys that I think have proven track record. Yes, the offenses have questions, and I understand that there's risk involved. But you're buying low, and if I can get Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs for fairly cheap, and that's the only piece that I can afford right now to acquire, I'm looking at doing that in a couple of fantasy leagues. So I say that because I had a conversation with the GM who's loaded at, at running back, and he's got Derrick Henry. And I was like, dude, what will it take? And he's like, well, I need a wide receiver one. I'm like, well, Derrick Henry's not playing right. as like a, like a running back one, and he's playing behind the Titans offensive line. And so I'm the one doing all the risk in this. If, if you're asking for you know, a Debo Samuel type player, a number one wide receiver in return. You're not giving me what running back one in return right now with Derrick Henry. I'm assuming that he gets better because he's un- underperforming. So the question and his response to me was, I don't think Derrick Henry finishes the season on the Titans. Now, this is not an expert. This is not a media member. This is just a guy. Yeah. And I don't think that's a, 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 a perception that is all that crazy. And all no, that, I don't agree with it, but Cowboys I, I and Tony Pollard is doing okay. Like he's doing really well. 
I to me, Tony Pollard is doing really well for who he is, what he does, his skill set, and everything. But he seems to do better when there is another back like that, like Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott. And there, are, we know that Derrick Henry lives in Texas. We know that Derrick Henry has strong ties in Texas. We know that Derrick Henry has had strong rumors tied to him via the Cowboys. And again, the Cowboys are a team in a division where the Giants have taken a little bit of a step back. The Commanders have taken a step up. It's almost like it's the e- the Eagles are an imperfect team. They are not the Super Bowl juggernaut team we saw last year. That is another team that could be looking around saying, okay, we get Derrick Henry. It helps deck Prescott a little bit more. It helps free up some everybody else. We got a great offensive line. Derrick Henry is a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see that Ed Henry, who's not related to Derrick Henry, doesn't the games out in the division dictate the trade discussion? He's really big. Ed was really big in our in our football and other efforts chat. Really big into this team being in contention for the division. I don't necessarily believe that Derrick Henry makes or breaks you win in the division. Now, I think Ryan Tannehill could. Now, I don't That's believe true. that Derrick Henry is, but I also don't have strong feelings about this division that Malik Willis and Will Levis couldn't yeah. win this division with a full complement of offensive weaponry. The, the the problem with that is I think you only get one game in the division before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So that's the Colts coming up. And if you if you are yeah. if you're way back already, again, one in five, zero percent, zero teams have ever made the playoffs at one in five. Um, I do think that does make a difference. And again, maybe that changes your asking price a little bit. Again, just like things outside of your control could change his value. If all of a sudden the Jets lose another quarterback or somebody else loses a quarterback, that could change his value. I, I do think, and you said this in F-words, that they've got to get back to running the football after all the years of of, of screaming about... The, well, it's because know, you can't rely on Traylon Burks. You can't rely on Chiga Conquo. Right. The two guys are supposed to step up. It just it's kind of, they're, they're kind of forced to. We're, they're forced we're gonna to get, make teams be scared of someone. We're going to get to some of that because I do think... yeah. Like to me, and this this is we'll get to this. I don't I don't mean to get ahead here, but like there there is a mental toughness, um, pride to me on the line in this game for the Titans. Like one of the things you could always count on with a Mike Vrabel coach team is that they will when the back is against the wall, cliche cliche, they show up. They show up. They show up against good offenses. They show up against good teams. When the game is bigger, they get better. They show up and they quit. I don't want to say quit like truly. Like in like the neg, like I'm not trying to be like a hot take radio guy here, but I the defense didn't look inspired in the second half. We talked about it on Monday. They didn't. They didn't look inspired in the second quarter. That like they, they, they. I'm assuming that they had a rough. The defensive line, not because we know they're good, right? Like I, I don't mean the offensive line having a bad week on film. That's every day. <laughs> like the secondary had a bad week on film, studying film. That's kind of been every game. The group that should be most concerned with its tape was probably the defensive line because they're supposed to be the best part of the team. And I bet you they had a pretty tough week looking at film. So to me, this is about pride. This is about Mike Vrabel's mental toughness and the all that other psychology stuff and how they play on Sunday against the Bengals. And again, I know I'm ahead of myself here, but I think those other players need to have some of that as well on offense. And so we'll, we'll get to that. I, I just think you, I think you, how, <laughs> let me rephrase this. Let me think through this. The Tannehill conversation and reaction to Tannehill being traded, we've discussed. 
people, to your point, whether it's right or wrong, their perception is that the problems with this organization have been because of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that about the running back. So the reaction to him trading the running back while he is. Oh, it less- will be. It'll be like the complete opposite. Like yeah. everybody in the media, I feel like would be like, OK, this is a Can't step forward. It. It's a progress progression, blah, blah. All the fans will be like pitchforks, torches outside yep. Nissan Stadium right. and St. Thomas Sports Park because yep. they think this is a dumb move. How can you do this? The Derek, this will be A.J. Brown <laughs> all over again. How much do you, yeah, right. How much do you uh, value all of the other stuff on a team? Let's say they are one in five and they're not making the playoffs and they're approaching the trade deadline after the buy. The offensive line hasn't been fixed. The quarterback's still a question. You got to fire sell. I mean, you just have to. No, I, I agree. That's the smart move. Yeah. But how, but, but how much of like, business sense does it make to let, let's say let's say your offers for henry are like pretty bad fifth round pick, I, sixth round it, pick isn't the value a fifth round pick it? is not bad for derrick henry but, i know because what you've seen is the decline of a running back and you get 11 million dollars in cap savings like true true I, what i want to what, what i'm what i'm getting at is all the things yeah. that he means to the fans is of financial value to the team if the team is irrelevant on the field Right. Like it matters to ticket sales. It matters to jersey sales. It matters to, to get 10,000 yards. It ma- all this stuff matters to the fans from a financial standpoint for the team if they are, in fact, completely irrelevant on the field. Right. Like they're one in five or they're one in six. And like, I, I don't know. I just think it's something to consider if you are in charge because you're not going to, the other teams aren't going to value a running back the way they're going to value Tannehill. No. I mean, I, I would be looking to trade them two and Kevin Byard. I mean, they're, I, I mean, again, I think all three should get traded. And if, if you're in a situation where it's one in five and there's this, that, that means that there is, you'd be the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs at one in five. Okay. The not first happening. team, if likely not happening, there's like a 0.001% chance. You, I think that pretty much your fans have already given up on you. <laughs> Like at that yeah. point, your fans are probably are. I mean, there's already fans selling tickets, season tickets, and all this stuff. It's it's already happening. So one in five is not going to make it any better. And trading at least signifies to your fans that hey, we're loading up for next year. And if we're one in five right now, I mean, and you're trading away so, Tannehill, Henry, and Byard. So much your, of it. The- so you, you much can't the control the NFL. So much but, of the offseason conversation will be tied directly to Will Levis's performance. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that if you're one in five right now and you're trading away those three players and you and you and your offensive line is still bad, and you are going into the end of the season and you are in the top three, you I think your fan base is a little rejuvenated, right? That's, like yeah, that's true. you're talking that's true. about, okay, maybe we're getting Marvin Harrison and we got some draft picks to make up for some draft picks. We lost. Man, maybe we're was... talking about Joe Alt, or maybe we're talking about Drake may because we'll leave suck and we can start over. Hey, we're, we're starting fresh. It's going to be tough. And it's, I understand <laughs> that it's a rough, it's a rough sell. I, I think from your perspective, it feels like it's a rough sell, I think from the perspective of a lot of fans and maybe even I would say the most media, most of the media members, you find out if Will Levis is your guy or not. You Shut, find up out about Bo Nick. Shut up about Bo Nix, Stoney. Stop it. If you're if you find out if Will Levis is your guy or not, you find out if Malik Willis is your guy or not. And if you're still in the top three draft picks, you're Man. looking pretty good. 
So and you couple, picked up draft picks, and you have loads of cap space. Like it would did. be like the yeah. quickest reload because you would save twenty seven million, roughly twenty seven million with Ryan Tannehill, roughly eleven million with Derrick Henry. I don't know what it is about Kevin Byer, but that's on top of the eighty something million that you got yep. heading into next year. I don't know. I mean, like it's not that bad of a thing to think about no. this kind of stuff if you're one and five. No, I think I think Byers at nineteen million cap hit next year because he because he flipped his nineteen this year to to next year. I think uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but but we can double check. Um, uh, what I think is interesting is uh, first of all, one in five. If you do some quick math, that would make them one in twelve in their in their last thirteen games, which would be real not bad, pretty. real bad. Which would lead then to your point about the rejuvenation. I agree that that comes around when you're picking third after the Super Bowl, and then you start to get into the draft season, and all of a sudden the combine comes, and then all of a sudden you start to be rejuvenated. But in between, oh my God, there's a lot of lot of hours to fill of content with people very pissed off about how bad yeah, the there, there's so. it, There's a risk to all this out of yeah. with Mike Vrabel. Now, obviously, yes, I would think that if he's going to give him the top three draft picks, it's probably with a five-win record or four-win record, so I don't obviously think he's going to be one and nothing. But just like you get to a certain point, in the in the year, if you're one in five, not making the playoffs, like put Stoney's comment. <laughs> this which one? The Bo Nix comment? No, the latest one. This team needs to do everything it can to sink every resource they have into going eight and nine, getting bounced in the first round, and knowing absolutely nothing about its future. That's <laughs> what it all. That's what it felt like. It feels like, like a movie. Exactly. It's like a bad yeah. movie script, is what Stoney's writing there. Um, all right, so I just I wanted to have the conversation. Because I, I here's after all of that, you know what I'm about to say? I think they're gonna play pretty I think they're gonna play pretty well against the Bengals. <laughs> I don't know. You you heard what I said. I thought like 1916, 1917 Titans, and I called myself an idiot for, for doing it. Well, and you are. But but like I can see it because this is just what this team does, right? Like this team just like gets everybody so up in arms, gets everybody so pissed off, so sad, so mad at each other. Fans are choking each other. Media members are yelling at each other and all this stuff. And like they end up going to win and everybody's like, well, you know, this could this, like Vrabel, they look pretty good again. And it's the Bengals. And then I'm going to be, I'm going to be on this show and I'm going to say the Bengals aren't that good. And no, and everybody's going to ignore it. And everybody's going to, a lot of people are going to think, oh, well, if it's the Bengals, problem is fixed. And it's not going to be fixed. No, it's not going to be fixed. But a win would be a huge step in the right direction. And there's reasons, logical reasons, why this could work. Again, I've told you, again, Mike Vrabel, the best coach in the NFL, best record in the NFL of any coach over the last three years in the month of October. It's when he does his, Mike Tober, it's when he does his best work. And right now you've got, uh, by the way, uh, Trey says this game has Nick Folk's name written all over it. He is the longest current active field goals made streak. So I'm going to jinx it right now. He's made 16 consecutive. Well, Jim White already, already jinxed it by putting it out on Twitter. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I must have missed that. I apologize uh, to, to Jim Wyatt. I, I do love his work. Um, it, it is, the, Joe Burrow is not healthy. Now he, he was, they were quick on the trigger. They threw that quick passing game. The Rams were playing that too high safety look, which is what you're seeing now with great quarterbacks is this too high safety look to, to shell coverage and make everybody just go the length of the field and be patient and force quarterbacks to take what the check downs and, and they moved Jamar chase all over the place. They still got like Joe Burrow can't move. And the pressure was still there. The Titans do have two safeties that could play that shell coverage very well if they want to. And, and, and just, I guess let T Higgins and Tyler Boyd just eat over the middle the way all the other receivers have. But I think you can get pressure on him because he can't move and because the offensive line is not as good as Cleveland. 
I think that they're going to have a come to Jesus week of film study. And if they do not come out pissed off for greatness because of their film study, that that's a problem in leadership on, on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, because there, there is no excuse for how they performed last week. Now you did say this on F words and I mentioned it on Monday. I or Herndon said this. I, I think Jim Schwartz was a huge factor. And I think, I think his knowledge of the team, his knowledge of the players, his knowledge of the offense, the knowledge of Rabel and how he teaches he, he, things. It must have been because, like, I, I find it odd that the only reason being is because it's a totally new offense with a totally new offensive line with a lot of different players and different positions. You you would have think that it wouldn't have been a factor, but and I guess I was sorely mistaken on that. But I think that he helped the offense game plan against that defense. That's yes. What I think. Well, I think he does. I think both sides. I think he helped both sides, and they don't have that here. There is some familiarity. By the way, I didn't know this, but this is the the team that has played the Titans the second most amount of times in the history of the NFL. This is their seventy ninth meeting. So I just find that to be interesting and random. It's interesting. Um, uh, and so I, I just I think they're going to play relatively well, and I think it's because of all the like all the chatter, all the talk, all the pride. If they don't show up and play a good game, even if they lose. I just, this is not a team that quits. Mike Vrabel's teams don't quit. And I don't want to see a team show up on Sunday against an injured Joe Burrow. By the way, the last team to rush for over 100 yards against the Tennessee Titans was the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Uh, Nine consecutive games without a team, 19 consecutive games without a player going over 100 yards rushing, the two longest active streaks in the NFL. So I just, I think they can attack the offensive line. I think Burrow's going to get his his numbers because they're going to go over the middle. Like that's the book on the Titans. I think Hendrickson is going to destroy Andre poor Andre Dillard, who got a lot more help than I thought last week. When you go back and rewatch that game, there was a lot more help with him, and that was still. I think it was the incorrect form of help, but that's just that may be true. To, I don't want to dive back into the Browns yeah, game. Yeah, so no, no, no. It's so there are logical X's and O's schematic and sort of psychological reasons why the Titans will play a far better football game on. on Love to see if Christian Fulton is going to take all the negative attention that he has gotten. I mean, cause they, I mean, Shane Bowen and now, and Mike Vrabel both said he's got to do his freaking job. And there you go. I mean, like these guys are coaching. Like, I don't think this is a coaching issue on on the stuff that we're seeing in the secondary. I don't think it's a Chris Harris issue. I don't think it's a Shane Bowen issue or a lack of a Jim Schwartz issue or a Mike Vrabel issue. It Right now, it is a Christian Fulton-Trey Avery issue. Like, week one, Christian Fulton. Week three, Christian Fulton. Week two, Trey Avery. Like, these teams know the weak point to attack. We have talked about the numbers, the routes, you know, routes ran per target and all that kind of stuff. They know who to attack. And now Christian Fulton is getting basically like three players that he probably does not match up with. Well, and Tyler Boy, T Higgins and Jamar Chase, unless he proves everybody wrong. And it's it's legit like put up or shut up time for Christian Fulton. He is the the linchpin of this titans team doing something on defense because if he cannot stop the the flooding if he cannot close the floodgates he's going to this team is going to have a hard time doing anything and utilizing their best asset which is the pass rushing and you know arden key talked about it today in the locker room saying that deshaun watson did a really good job getting the ball out quickly 
Uh, 2.92 seconds is not good. It was one of the worst uh, or slowest throw time to throws on all attempts where there a pass was made. 2.92 seconds. He did not get the ball out quick. Well, they, 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 could, they couldn't tackle him. They couldn't, they couldn't tackle him. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, Joe Burrow can be tackled, but we've also seen Jadavian Clowney whiff on Joe Burrow numerous times, and I'm not saying that any of these guys are Jadavian Clowney except for Mary, maybe Harold Landry. But last week's showing does not instill me with confidence that this team is going to put it all together. But I do yeah. have the tight yeah. and they're going to have to win somehow. So it's probably going to be the defense that wins. Well, some of the things that we that we could see that could help them with a victory here, building a win, uh, of course, uh, brought to you by the Kingston Group. Uh, so buildkg.com, uh, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Sinkers Beverages, uh, I'll be up at Bluegrass, which is their sister store in Hendersonville on Saturday, like 11 to 3-ish. Uh, come out and say hi. Bourbon Fest, Tequila Fest, food trucks, watching college ball. I'm not sure what else I need to tell you on that one. Um, so uh, we do appreciate our two wonderful and amazing sponsors here. Um, three straight losses for this team, the Titans against the Bengals. And remember, remember, they did not have, I don't believe they had Jamar Chase or Joe Mixon in this game last year at home. They had, that was where Samaj P. Ryan, they just sort of like patiently mm-hmm. worked him uh, inside the tackles. Uh, I'm curious, like, here's my defensive question for you from a scheme standpoint. Because like, if you know, no matter what you do, because the Titans don't blitz at all, that they're still just going to work the middle of the field with a, a really healthy collection of, of, of talented weapons. If you know they're going to do that, what what about some zone blitzes here? Because the only way to – Joe Burrow's not mobile like he normally is, and the offensive line is not all that great. What, what are we doing? Like, let's play play zone coverage. Two high safety if you need to, three deep. Nick, Man. I don't know, Tampa two. I don't know what you need to do, but you can run some zone blitzes if you want to. And 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 force Joe Burrow. Now, does does that mean they're moving Jamar Chase around like they did on Monday night against the Rams, where he's everywhere? And I mean, they're pretty creative that way. But guess what? Your coaches too. <laughs> so, yeah. So be creative with your guys. It, they're gonna, you know, they they blitzed the corners and the linebackers more this past week than they have in previous weeks. And because we saw Roger McCreary with a couple of pressures, Aziz Al Shayer, Jack Gibby, both with pressures as well. That's something they haven't done. So they they were able to send some blitzes from different areas that they normally haven't been. They haven't, I guess maybe they felt like they haven't had to. The problem with sending a blitz is that I don't know what my where my trust value is on everybody else to communicate and do their job. Uh there's been a lot of pl- times where I felt like there was miscommunication and Maybe this is something that Jim Schwartz fixed because if you remember back when they had the world's worst third down defense, they had a, the big issue was communication. And I feel like there's a lot of miscommunication going on right now, passing people off in zone coverage and stuff like that. I I just I don't I don't know who you trust back there. I, I don't trust Kevin Byard not to get burnt. I don't trust Christian Fulton not to get burnt. Amani Hooker, I think he'll probably be better this week. You know, he, he, I think he was made. I'm going to chalk up last week's, you know, errors and stuff to maybe having to play on Christian Fulton's side of the field. I think Sean Murphy Bunting is having a good, a good year. I think Roger McCurry is having a good year. I don't know if the play, if this, the idea should be let's put Hooker in the slot, Molden next to Kevin Byard, and put, I don't know if, I, I feel just, like Christian Fulton's bitching is coming. Right. Like, I feel like I, there's a certain point where you can't put Christian Fulton out on the field. And whether that's Elijah Molden stepping in and you put McCurry on the outside and stepping in the slot and Imani Hooker in the slot and Molden, 
you got the players now, especially with Dane Crookshank. Try some you shit. Got play, you got the players not to have to rely on Christian Fulton if he starts failing you. He should be on the Xavier Newman leash. Like a short leash. He gets burned in the first couple plays in the game. You should yank him out and never put him back in. So, so Stoney nails it. I, I am taking Gibby off the field and I'm putting Molden McCreary. I'm getting all the DBs that I think are are depend quote unquote dependent. And Molden's a good good pass rusher as well. Take Gibby you off can, and put Molden in there. I don't I can, don't know, but it's try something. That's all I want. Yes, try some <laughs> shit because you know what they're gonna do with an injured Joe Burrow who can't move and 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 receivers that they're moving all over the place. They're being creative. They're trying different things. The Bengals are. Because they kind of have to. They're forced into it with Joe Burrow's injury and the offensive line situation. So, so why can't you do the same thing? You've got versatile pieces. You, Your whole spiel was positionless football. You've got Elijah Molden. You've got Imani Hooker. You can move them all over the place. McCreary can be moved all over the place. Be creative. Where's the Logan Ryan plays? Right? Like the, mm -hmm. the, the Logan Ryan was used in so many different ways. High, high point safety, in the box for run support, outside on the edge, blitzing in the corner. Like, you used Logan Ryan a million different ways. What, I'm not suggesting they have a player who's as good as he is or whatever, but, like, you've got some versatile pieces that you can play positionless football in the secondary and let the front four work and then bring one guy. And, and right. It, don't, just be creative with it, you know? Like, I, this is your job as coaches. So I, that's what I want to see on the defense. On the offensive side, I, I think you're one of your points because we like we can't just keep talking about Andre Dill. <laughs> we just can't. We can't. We know it's the biggest problem. We know there and, could and, be and it was still the best decision in free agents because I, I saw that uh, Trey put out. You know, like could we go back in time and not sign Andre Dillard? Okay, so we just not going to have a left tackle. Like, what's the plan at yeah. left tackle? I mean, in a in a free agency class that we all thought sucked and lacked talent, I'm not surprised that maybe one of the free agents they sign. Sucks and likes Dallas, but yeah, yeah. it is what it is. There wasn't a lot of good left tackles out there that you needed to overpay for. Right. Like I don't there think wasn't we, one I, that you need to overpay for. I don't think we need to relitigate that. I, I mean, in hindsight, yes, Trey's right, but all of sports is not hindsight. You can't do that. So, and also yeah. that there's nobody better that you could have gotten. Like probably not. Probably not. So. I, I don't really want to belabor the offensive line issue. We know it's a huge problem. I don't think there's a hook for him this week. I think they're going to try to run him out there with some with some more. I think they I think Herndon said they chipped on like almost more than half. Uh, it was of, 11 of, out of 14. Uh, I thought, no, he said 14 out of 25. As I think what he said. on was it? I thought I thought it was 11. Well, I thought it was 11 out of 25 and 14 were left uncovered. But maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's right. Either way, around 50%, they were trying it's to either 11 help. or 14. I just don't know. We don't know which one it is. <laughs> around 50% of his true dropbacks, they were trying to give him help. Again, we don't need to really spend a lot of time on the offensive line. It's a concern. What is it? What did we say last week about the game plan against the Browns? Quick passing game. Not, you kind of came around on play action, but I'm like out on play action, quick passing game. And then to your, I think the more important point, is these weapons who are the positionless football players who are being used in a creative way need to find a way to make plays. I know that's very reductive and generic, but if you have Spears and Chig and Burks and these guys that you can move around and you can get the football in their hands a lot of different ways, this is there's no there's no time like the present, boys. <laughs> like they need to make plays. Tim Kelly needs to put them in the right spot. Ryan Tannehill has to read the plays better pre-snap. Because the offensive line ain't going to help you. That's it. Like you, you yeah, got to make it happen elsewhere. 
they they gotta go quick passing, short chunks. I mean, you're just gonna have to dink your dunk your way down the field. And there, you know what? Tom Brady made a freaking career for the <laughs> longest times, dinking and dunking and winning and winning Super Bowls. Like that's that that's what he was at a certain point. And obviously, this is like a Benjamin Button of Tom Brady because Ryan Tannehill is like 10 years older than the Tom Brady that was always dinking and dunking. But you just gotta. I mean, that's where you're at. You just have to do it. And to me, it's like I talked about it on Stack in the Inbox this morning when I'm talking about like we gotta be able to be allowed to tell to say when a player had a bad performance and not let it be some like overarching decree by all the fans acting like we're saying their career is over. Traylon Burks has plenty of time to show us that he was worth the 18th overall pick. But this performance on Sunday against the Browns was terrible. And everybody talks about, well, you got to target Traylon Burks more. Well, they target him six times. They tried to get him involved, and he and he failed to catch balls. He dropped a lot of NFL big boy catches. And it's Tan- that's Tannehill not- missed him on the deep one of the deeper shots. But well, he, yeah, he when Tannehill's he, like he, having to go, you know, round, uh, you know, around the world. No, Tannehill was. Tannehill is very pissed at himself for missing that throw. But, like, but, but your point but is that's, right. That's a low percentage throw, even though that he, yes, I agree with you that like Ryan Tannehill, quarterbacks need to make that throw. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we got to remember that it is Ryan Tannehill. No, I, <laughs> like, I know. He was, <laughs> I don't want to believe because your point is yeah. correct. The Traylon Burks has to be more focused on catching the football. He has to the, be tough. If, if you're not going to be tough, there's no place for you on this field. And that seems to be in a John Robinson MO that he'd rather have good old boys instead of tough boys. And well, the dude, the dude of all the players on the team who should be tough, it's Traylon. It should Burks. be. You should. You think the guy that would kill hogs? That's why I said like right. a, a hog terrible. murderer. You would think would come in and have a killer mentality, and he just doesn't have it. it. And he can't stay up on his feet. There's a lot of issues with Traylon Burks right now that 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 need to be discussed. With the caveat saying that we have seen Traylon Burks take over games. We've seen him in Green Bay. We saw him in San Diego. We saw him in the Bengals game last year show signs of life and being a guy. He's going to have to do it, or Ryan Tannehill's going to continue throwing to DeAndre Hopkins and Nick Westbrook-Kine, yeah, and that's yeah. a lose-lose situation, I feel like, for everybody involved. I don't know. I, you guys know me. I think the way you win games is to pl- is to is to fee- force-feed NWI the ball. That's that's how I think yeah, we that's win That's how games. you got to do it. Uh, Spears, like what you want to see out of Ch- and Chig, I think I don't normally question Chig's sort of like intensity and focus. He he just dropped a few passes because generally he's a an intense player who is quote unquote on every play. The way Spears is quote unquote on every play, like the energy levels are high. He's his compete yeah. is high. I think that's where you want to see Burks maybe consistently do a little bit more of that. Like just be a be a dog. Like just be a dog, dude. Like it doesn't Hopkins- feel like it takes five people to tackle Traylon Burks. It takes him, his feet being, I guess his shoelaces are tied together or something. <laughs> Deandre Hopkins is a dog. And, uh, mm-hmm. that, that's why he's made a career of being that. And that is what, and, and I've talked to Rob more about this. Like you, there's guys who have dog in him and there's guys who don't at wide receiver. The ball is yours. Go make the play dominate in the air, dominate. That is your football. Go get it. Like that's the job. And that's what you get paid to do. And, I, I, to your point, I think all these guys didn't play well last week, including Henry. And I think all of them will play better this week. But I think the game plan has to be to get them, which is funny. I think they need to run the football with Derrick Henry 
but I want to see Spears more involved. Is that weird? Like, I want to see both running backs more involved is what I want to see. Yeah, I I think you you need to. I know I mean, it's still going to be a 60-40, but you would like to for the you would like for the game script to not get so out of whack so you can choose some clock up with Derrick Henry. Yeah. But you would also like to be able to see Tajay Spears be that guy as well. Um the Bengals, you know, you talk about we we're talking about Traylon Burks and we're talking about Shiga Conquo and all these guys in the passing game that need to step up and hopefully can step up and, and do something. The Bengals are they're a middle of the road pass defense. You know, I would say, you know, they're probably top 15, you know, top 20. They're kind of in that 15 and 20th range. So they're not as, you know, good as the Browns. They're, they're, they're about on par, I would say, probably if you were looking at the closest you saw already would probably be the Chargers, but they're probably a little bit better than the Chargers because of Trey Hendrickson and the pass rush and stuff like that. Well, they're they're less talented than Chargers, but I think they're better coached. Right. So, you know, you're going up against a good defensive coordinator and all this kind of stuff. So to me, it just gets to... I, I think that the slug the the slug fest that everybody thought was going to be last week, I think it's coming down this week. But I do I mean, think it was, the Titans are going to win. That first half last week was definitely a rock fight. Uh, the Titans, yeah. the Titans and the Browns were in a rock fight, and then the Browns pulled out like a shotgun <laughs> in the second half, uh, and then the Titans were done. I I, I agree. I think it could be a rock fight again, and I I think the the key is going to be. Is it similar to the Chargers game? Do you get really efficient Tannehill, a little bit more Derrick Henry on the ground, Spears gets a, a lot of touches in a lot of different ways, and then you know that the other guy's going to get his yards, but you you win a close game, and if it happens to be sixes instead of threes, you probably win. And and that's and that's how it goes. Um, so I, I think final prediction for me is I actually think the Titans are going to play well. I don't know, 24-21, Cincinnati 2421 Titans. I think that's kind of where I'm at with this game. Yeah, that's kind of, I'm kind of like 1916, 1917. Okay. Uh Stoney says we'll switch to some college football here and we'll talk a little SEC. We got a bunch of big games. LSU Ole Miss, AM, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Florida. You got Tennessee uh hosting South Carolina in the revenge game. This is your cue to change the screen for SEC football. <laughs> but Stoney says. Uh, are you guys going to break down the tonight's massive rivalry game between Western Kentucky and MTSU? Here's what I'll say about that. As an MTSU alum, technically, I went there for a year. Uh, Austin Reed, Western Kentucky, minus six, lay the points, take the Hilltoppers. There you go. So that's the entire analysis. <laughs> that's it. All right. What are you looking at? Uh, what do you want me to, what are your questions uh, heading into week five in the SEC? Can Vanderbilt upset Missouri? Wow. I was not expecting that question. Uh, sure. I mean, Missouri's got LSU next week. They're staring at a five and zero record. They're coming off two emotional wins against Memphis and against Kansas state. Could they overlook Vanderbilt? Could Vanderbilt score some points? Maybe uh, this is a sort of prove that you belong in the conversation, Missouri kind of, kind of game yeah. and Kentucky handled their business last week here in Nashville. And I think Missouri will as well, but anything is possible. The, the biggest point spread of the entire week in the sec is like 14 points. So there's a lot of games that there's a lot of games that are close this weekend. So it's possible. Right. What did you see from Ole Miss 
and LSU last week. LSU went down to the wire against Arkansas, which was a fantastic game. Very underrated game. We watched it. Great the game. barbecue contest uh, went late into the night, and uh, there was an Arkansas fan next to us, and so we were watching that game all the way through while we are waiting on the judges to get through. Great game, and it was great to be around an Arkansas fan who was just like up and down, up and down. <laughs> but then Ole Miss, you know, loses to Alabama. Did you see something from either team that makes you think that one of these teams could Ole Miss walk away with something here, walk away with a win? Well, Vegas agrees with you. Um, Ole Miss completely dominated on 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 by Alabama's defense last week. LSU torches Arkansas secondary. Jaden Daniels had almost 400 yards, and it's a two point game, two point spread. LSU minus two. They're begging you to take LSU. So Vegas agrees with you that Ole Miss is going to play much better this week. My problem is is that Ole Miss is incredibly one dimensional, and you can attack LSU down the field. KJ Jefferson in that game did just that. Mm-hmm. And, and Jackson Dart's got the ability to go down the field. Lane Kiffin. Quinshawn Jenkins is one of the best running backs in, in the conference, though, in the country. And he's not being used because they cannot run the football. Ole Miss is completely one-dimensional. Alabama, Tulane, everybody they've tried to run against doesn't work. I don't know why they're going to run against LSU. So I, I there's like LSU's going to score. <laughs> and, yeah. L, and Ole Miss can't run. So what you're saying is, Jackson Dart has to carry this team again by making big throws the entire game. And I don't know how that's sustainable. I, I just, I just don't. It's a, he's a good player, but I don't know how sustainable that is. All right. We know Georgia's cream of the crop in the SEC. And we know that uh, Auburn is the cream of the crap. But Georgia has not been playing really well this, this entire year per their normal standards of, of play. Upset alert at all? Not for me. I got Georgia minus the 14. Um, okay. But I do think it's worth having a conversation about Georgia for like the first time all year. The South Carolina game was interesting. And then Georgia put their foot down in the second half. They, they've gotten better every game, though. Like, this is what's interesting about Georgia is like the offense has gotten a little bit better. Carson Beck has gotten a little bit better. I think they were intentionally holding back Brock Bowers in the first part of the season, the first couple of games, because his targets have gone way up in the last two games. Uh, I think he was like nine for one twenty-one and two touchdowns last week. He was big in South Carolina game. I think, I think they're starting to ramp up the pieces that they need. Lad McConkey, their star receiver could be back this week. The defense, like, here's the thing. They're not, if you compare them to the almighty, which is like 2021, Georgia, 20 last year, Georgia, they're not as good. But if you compare them to the rest of college football this year, <laughs> I know they still might be the best team. And so I think this is their first real test on the road. This is all about Carson Beck, the quarterback, hostile environment. Auburn, Auburn has a good defense. They will not score. Auburn had more plays last year, last week against Texas A&M than they did passing yards. Do you know how hard that is to do in college football in 2023? <laughs> like they ran 64 plays. They had 56 passing yards. That's fucking nuts. So they're not going to score at all. So this is like 31 to three Georgia, but I want to see Carson Beck in third down situations, make good throws, make good decisions, be, be actually tested in the first half. That's what I think you're watching for in that game. All right. Which road dog? I, well, I don't know if they're dogs, but let's say, but you know, they're on the road, which road team is going to win. And you could choose as many as little as you want. Alabama, Mississippi state, Yes. South Carolina at Tennessee and Florida at Kentucky. 
And Texas A&M at Arkansas. I think all of that pretty much covers all four games that we have well, left to talk about. A&M, Arkansas, Connor Wigman, star quarterback, out for the season now. That's a big piece of news. But they are very – they're like one of the only teams in the conference that's well-equipped to handle it. They've got Bobby Petrino, who's called a million plays for a million years. They've got Max Johnson at quarterback, who's played in 26 SEC games as their backup. A total luxury to have him. They've got a lot of weapons. Arkansas is not particularly good on defense, so I think you see a vanilla game plan from A&M. That's in Arlington, by the way, neutral site, so very strange. It's been it's been one of the craziest football games all season, every year, but A&M's won 10 out of 11, so I think A&M wins again. Um, I think Alabama, I, you know, Will Rogers had a great game last week against Mississippi State. I don't know if he can do that against Bama's defense, so I, I, think, I don't think there's – I'm concerned about Bama ever covering 14 points against anybody now, but I don't know how people are going to score on them. So I, yeah. I, I don't, you know, Mississippi state normally every time we have these games, we're like, Oh, can Mississippi state play well against Bama? And then they get their asses killed. So I don't, I, I'll take Bama South Carolina to Tennessee is fascinating to me. Um, Cause South Carolina just gave up 500 yards passing to Will Rogers. If you can't, if you can with, with all your weapons, with Josh Heupel, with Neyland stadium, the home environment, night crowd, Joe Milton, three good running backs. If you cannot score on South Carolina, all of you should be fired. Like it's, it's, oh, it's okay. It's absurd. Okay. So what's going to happen is they're either going to win by four touchdowns or South Carolina is going to rip their hearts out. It is the uh, blackout game, right? They're wearing the uh, black uniforms. They're wearing the all black. Yeah. The Halloween uniforms, strangely enough at the end of September. I don't know. Um, But it's, it's sort of a tradition against South Carolina. The one that I have, I, I, I think Tennessee should, win that game because they have no excuses it's been circled for a year and and south carolina's defense is not very good their offensive line is not very good spencer rattler has been great actually and i'll i did not expect him to be this consistent and this efficient but he has been so there's a chance the one that i have no i feel pretty good about all those games i i have absolutely no clue what is going to happen in the florida kentucky game no clue Uh, like two good coaches Billy Napier's offense is working really well. Mark Stoops' defense is really solid. A lot of interesting skill weapons that are going to play in the NFL for both teams on offense. Crowd's going to be loud, hard sellout. Can I ask you a question about skill Weird. weapons on the on this Florida team? Sure. And I, I I'm going to butcher his last name, but I noticed him when I was watching film on Anthony Richardson last year and watching games. But this Ricky Pearsall, Pearsall, whatever his last Pierce, name. Yeah, you got it right the first time. Pearsall. Pearsall. He made a spectacular he's, one-handed catch, and that dude is money. Like you good. throw in his direction, he's catching. Is is he gonna like? He's very good. Is he gonna test well enough to maybe sneak into like first round, second round conversation? So we're gonna see a guy named Charlie Jones in the Titans game this weekend. Chuck Sizzle, yes. as Gus Johnson yeah. like to call him at Purdue, Purdue right? He per, he is far less talented than Ricky Pearsall. I think Ricky Pearsall is gonna be like a late third round pick. Early fourth round pick and have like next, a nine year. The next Puka Nakua, next Cooper Cup, and he's going to have like a nine year career. Like he, that's, he he he's good. He stood he's out good. to me in finding the zone and sitting out in the zones when I was watching Anthony Richardson games last mm-hmm. year. I was like, man, this guy. You know, I hate falling into like these traps of like watching a wide receiver and be like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And then he's you pre- see no, him in good. the in the games this year, and I'm like. I think this guy's pretty good. So you got ETN for Florida at running back and Ray Davis for Kentucky at running back. Two really good yep. running backs. You got Barry and Brown, who's going to play on Sundays for Kentucky at wide receiver. Total burner. And then Pearsall for Florida. So they've got guys. Like, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. 
And both quarterbacks, I mean, Graham Mertz is, is, is playing better than he's ever played. Devin Leary is playing well, but he had a couple of turnovers last week against Vanderbilt. Honestly, like, I think this is a, like some crazy nonsense is going to happen. It's a turnover. It's a block kick. It's something crazy at the end. Uh, Vegas agrees. It's a one-point spread, basically. I think Kentucky's like a one-point favorite at home. So I, I'll lean Kentucky because they're better kind of across the board, more established and at home. But honestly, I have no, I have no clue. Like, so you uh, got Kentucky, Texas A&M, Georgia. We got Missouri and Vanderbilt. Did you land on Missouri? I'll take, I'm taking Missouri. I'm taking Tennessee. I'm taking LSU. I'm not taking any upsets, which is dumb. Okay. So, so Bama. The risk. Uh, Florida, Florida going up and winning is like the most likely, but again, that's, yeah. it's the smallest spread. So, um, I don't know. It is what it is. So there you go. Come on out good on lead. Saturday. Finally, a good clean slate. I feel like of, of sec football where there's something intriguing in every, every game, because to me, I, last Tamu versus art is okay. It, the, the, the games ended up better than what I thought they would, but like it's all sec. It's, you know, Missouri versus Vanderbilt, I think is really interesting. You know, I, I think the only game that I'm like not really interested in is Georgia Auburn. But like every other game has these little intriguing, like, yeah, you could kind of see it go this week. You kind of see it go that way. You know, kind of, it's a good, well, good uh, week. Arkansas is lost two straight. If they lose, they will be 0 3 in the conference. Ole Miss has already lost to Bama. If they lose to LSU, they still have Georgia coming up. So they could yeah. start, they could start 0 2. Tennessee's already gotten boat raced by by Florida, and if they lose at home as a thirteen point favorite to South Carolina, sky is falling in Knoxville. Like A and M now has a backup quarterback, but they play Alabama next week, and if they win with a backup quarterback and look good against Arkansas, all of a sudden we're looking at a much different game next week. Bama's got to go on the road. Georgia's on the road. It's a I agree. I mean, it's we're here, dude. Like there's only week. like there's only like eight more of these. Enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy this week <laughs> for sure. Uh, enjoy Seekers Beverages, of course. Shop there for all your uh, liquor and uh, wine and beer needs. Uh, great selection, great great staff. Kingston Group, uh, buildkg.com. You know the deal. Stack in the inbox. All the other great shows from across the 440 Sports Network, including, of course, SEC Football Live on Tuesdays at noon on the 440 Sports YouTube page. Please give us a subscription there. And, of course, football and other efforts as well. That just about does it for us, Zach, I think. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for the comments. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. We do appreciate it. We will talk to you on Monday.